This is the Action Network Podcast. Welcome into the Action Network Podcast. Brendan Glasheen, your host. We have a very special episode for you. In the world of sportsbook promotions and plus EV betting, that is what we are diving into on this pod. Uh, let's get to our guest today. He's the uh, he's the man behind the popular gambling Twitter account at the Promo Guy one two three, better known as just Promo Guy. A contributor here at Action Network, the Promo Guy account is run by a guy who leverages a background in math to help betters profit off sportsbook promotions and boosts and general marketplace inefficiencies just to give folks uh, some general background here promo guy joined twitter in april of 2021 after realizing there was a way to quantify the value of different promotions and odd, odds boosts that sports books were offering already at 40,000 followers impressive the idea of using math to take advantage of sports book promos existed but there wasn't really a go-to twitter account because like all of us we, we need to go on twitter and find out what the hell's wrong with the world, but also we need to find out, you know, this stuff, promotions plus EV betting. So there wasn't really a go-to Twitter account or a one-stop shop for finding all the plus EV promos and boosts across legal U.S. sports books. So decided to leave his full-time job in banking to join action as a contributor, which we are very glad to hear and we're thankful for that. And he's put more time into his Discord where he helps members with plus EV betting tactics. So I just gave the people the Spark Notes edition, but tell us a bit more about yourself and kind of fill in those, those gaps there because I gave kind of the broad strokes of what brings you here on this episode. First off, thank you, Brennan, for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Just to give you a little bit on my background, I've been working as a trader and investment bank for the last six-ish years, ever since graduating from uh, UPenn in Philly. And I kind of got into gambling during the pandemic. Uh, I was back in Philly, and a buddy of mine kind of told me about the boosts and promos and thought that it'd be something I was interested in getting involved in. So I just started betting, and honestly, it was a really great kind of escape. You know, work got really stressful during COVID, and markets were kind of crazy, and it was just kind of a nice release away from it. And uh, I started making money and having fun betting, and maybe four or five months into doing so, I was like, man, I made a couple grand each month having a lot of fun. Like, this is great. And looked around and felt like there was kind of a gap in the market for this kind of Twitter account and nobody really doing it in kind of a complete way. So uh, I just started tweeting. I created the account, started tweeting. It was, you know, really meant as a hobby. I, I never envisioned it being something where I leave my job. Because uh, honestly, I, I really enjoyed my job and it wasn't something I was looking to leave. But uh, I've sort of felt that a little over a year into it, we've built such a great community. I have such a tremendous opportunity in action. And you know, I'm really excited about what I can do with you know, 50 more hours a week, whether it's for action, for the Discord, for the Twitter account, you know, whatever it may be. Very cool. Very cool. Before we get into some deeper dive uh, questions about mm-hmm. what we're, we, we brought you here for, I am curious, as it pertains to Twitter, what is the interaction like as far as how often are you going back and forth? I mean, why is that the right megaphone for you? Uh, that's a great question. And it certainly can be a bit of a nasty place, um, which, <laughs> I've, which I've learned. But I would say it's overwhelmingly positive Good. for starters. Like sometimes the a lot of the bigger Twitter accounts can sort of let people get under their skin and start replying to them. And as far as Twitter versus other platforms, I'm really not a big social media guy. It was kind of 
betting and doing the math behind this. And uh, I did have a Twitter account and enjoy Twitter. So I just sort of jumped into it. Mostly just been focused on putting out good work, helping people make money, you know, being very thorough in the analysis I give and the plays I put out. And I kind of figure the rest will take care of itself from there. Excellent. And again, that account is the promo guy, one, two, three, one of our newest contributors here at Action Network. Let's get into the good stuff now. So again, discussing the world of sportsbook promotions plus EV betting. Now that people know who you are to some degree, why do most odds boosts suck? Like what are the (laughs) basics of identifying when you see a book come out with something what are the basics of identifying which ones don't suck or first off how do you determine if it does suck yeah so i, I guess to answer the first question why do most booths suck uh, i think it kind of comes down to each book treats boosts differently as part of their offering so you have some books that use it for customer acquisition uh, those are kind of some of the bigger books that or maybe okay losing a little bit of money on plus EV betting as long as it's kind of, you know, you have these tasty looking books, uh, boosts that uh, draw people in. Uh, and then other books, which were a lot of the boosts kind of suck, uh, at least a high percentage of them, they, they probably look at boosts more as come gamble. And you think, or you might be getting better odds than you would otherwise, but it's still a way to kind of draw people into negative EV plays that they wouldn't have otherwise made. So those are types of books that have hundreds of boosts and, and they cover everything and 90 something percent of them, if not a hundred are not plus EV or not plus EV in a significant way. And if they are, there's like a $10 limit. Uh, and those books, uh, or it's just a mistake. Uh, and those books just treat boosts differently. And there's nothing inherently really wrong with that, except for when it sort of becomes something where they're, they're specifically boosting. And I've seen this I think on every book where they're boosting lines that are places where they are weak. In other words, you're getting a boost on so-and-so to hit a home run, but they have the lowest line for a home run. Or you're getting boosts on one-way markets, which is kind of a maybe a bigger picture issue of, you know, the betting industry has very little regulations, especially compared to my, my background in the financial industry, where every time somebody asks me to make them a price, I have to show them two-way market. I have to tell them where my fair mid is. Like there is incredible amount of transparency in this market to protect customers. Whereas none of that exists in the betting market. Uh, There can be one way lines that are terrible. You could have boosts that are below plenty of other books, uh, non-boosted lines. And I think that kind of betrays a little bit of the trust. You know, when you see a boost, you assume it's the best line in the market. So I think there are issues when books start doing that kind of a thing where they start boosting plays of heavily vigged or places where their their own lines are weak. Uh, and then you end up with boosts that are not even the best price in the market or close to it. But otherwise, I think that why most boosts suck stems from every book treats boosts differently uh, in part of their process. So you use the, the, the home run example. That's a good one because I think that's a lot of, as you know, being on Twitter, that's where like a lot of people might go when they've got uh, books making these kinds of uh, these offerings. How do you gauge whether a market is reliable to compare to a boost? The whole assumption under EV betting is that gambling markets are efficient, right? That, you know, the lines that we see are reflective of the underlying probabilities that that event will happen. 
with that in mind, you know, if you think about a coin toss as sort of the ultimate efficient market, right? And it might be a bad example because the line will never move, but there are two things about a coin toss that are you always see when it comes to the Super Bowl. Super tight markets, you know, everybody has it minus 105 each side, sometimes yep. like minus 103. You see a bunch of promotions for plus 100 each side. People do every year, right? Like, and books have incredibly tight markets. And then the other thing is that they let you bet a lot on it. And every book has it. There's a lot of liquidity in this market. Nobody's ever going to limit you on betting heads. And they're not going to charge you minus 120 on betting heads, right? Like this is, a, you know, an absolutely efficient, strong, stable market. Boosts for regular markets for non-coin tosses are, are no different, right? So sometimes, you know, they'll boost a money line. And that's, you know, you can look at markets like Pinnacle, which have incredibly tight money line markets. You can look at odds for every book and they tend to be on the tighter side. They let you bet. There aren't too large a limits on, uh, on money line bets. You know, this, that's a very like widespread liquid type market. On the other hand, you might have boost on, let's say a home run or, you know, recently there've been two plus hits in the first inning boost, you know, some, some of the more less bet on bets and maybe less deep markets. And, you know, you have only three books even offer that I know of, at least you know, I look pretty hard even offer two plus hits in the first inning type bet. And that market is very flimsy. It's very different across sites. And, you know, that's why we kind of give ourselves an EV cushion on certain markets because we don't know what the true probabilities are. There aren't a lot of people betting it. it it's, a you know, kind of a wide illiquid market. So for those, I definitely want to have a, a bigger cushion than others versus kind of like the straight line money line bets or if they ever boosted coin toss the plus 110, you know, that might be only be 5% EV, but that, that's a must bet, right? If you're if you're a plus EV gambler. Gotcha. Good stuff. Uh, the coin toss example. I took notes for uh, next February to uh, use that information. <laughs> What's the best way for non-technical math nerd bettors right. to get started if they want to explore some of these concepts? Yeah, I think the, the best way to do it, I mean, other with than all, to, And by the way, with all due respect to the nerds, I didn't mean to offend anybody that's a nerd. I mean, we love you, but- not I, don't know what you're, I don't even know what you're implying right now because I don't see any nerds in this conversation. <laughs> so I, I think the best thing to do, you know, follow the account, but you don't have to start betting right away. And mm -hmm. I would just sort of get used to the terminology, kind of try and get a, a nice understanding of uh, what we're trying to do, the assumptions that we're making. Uh, and the best thing you really could do from there is to reply, ask questions, you know, Really, the EV community has grown so much uh, in the last you know, couple of years where, and certainly in the last year where uh, people have become really knowledgeable. And there's a lot of people in the replies that can help you get started. And, you know, maybe you start betting a little bit on a bet you would have already made or a bet that sounds good to you that, you know, I'm saying is plus EV and kind of, you know, dip your toes in the water that way. And look, you might end up saying, this isn't for me. I don't care about a small edge on some random two plus hits in the first inning bet. And it's not for everyone, but you might start saying, hey, this is a way to consistently make money to have action on, you know, different games that I might otherwise not have watched and honestly just have have fun with the whole thing and make some money doing it. Uh, so the best thing to do is just follow along, ask questions and kind of dip your toes in slowly. Some books aren't crazy about some of these tactics that we've discussed already in, the, in this uh in this discussion, do betters need to take any precautions to make sure they're not banned or limited, or is it unavoidable with certain books? 
I think that when it comes to limiting, unfortunately, we don't have kind of a full picture of what gets people limited. There's not a lot of information coming from the sports books. And I can go back on about regulations and all of that that's kind of missing in the betting market. But overall, I would say the best way to think about it, help yourself out when it comes to getting limited, is thinking of it as, okay, there's going to be a trader at a sports book that looks at your betting history. Do you look like someone who is trying to bet? Or do you look like someone who is trying to steal money? And when I say steal money, if we know anything, we know that people that are arbitraging books are more likely to get limited. And what that means is you're betting lines on two different books in a way where you can make risk-free money because their lines differ. And it, it's obvious to, to, to these books when, you, when you're doing that, because most of the time you're betting very random exact amounts <laughs> to set your payouts exactly equal. There's a thousand people doing it at the same time as you, because you're showing up on these you know, odd shopping sites and you're beating the closing line, the CLV, very consistently, right? So they're, they're, it's very easy. You know, you're, you're not being slick. Like they know that you're arbing and arbors tend to get limited relatively quickly. Other things that you can kind of look out for, and this is kind of in the same vein, is arbing boosts. First no-no, and a lot of people I see in the replies doing this, and I, I, I always try and jump in, do not arb a boost on the same book. The entire purpose of boost, whether it's plus EV or not, is to get people to get into the sport, to watch the game, to have fun, to get into gambling. It is not meant to give you $4.68. So the first thing is don't arb a boost on the same book. Now, I tell people not to arb, especially like major boosts, you know, the ones on FanDuel, DraftKings, some of the bigger books, uh, on any books, not a book you care about anyway, because they know that there's a boost on DraftKings that day for Giannis to have a double-double. And if this is the first time you've ever bet any player to not have a double-double happens to be the same day, thousands of other people are doing it. Yeah. And if it happens to be the same day that like DraftKings, whatever book I said, is having a boost on him and you're, you're, you're setting your payouts exactly perfectly even to the max bet of the boost, like they know what you're doing. They know you're going to arb their boost. And they're, they're not here to, you know, have you take their money they're have they're here to have you gamble so the same thing goes for like when the goal in first 10 minutes boost comes up on FanDuel or DraftKings like if you go out and arbit on any of the other books this isn't new to them like that you know a trader is going to look at that and say okay a thousand people just bet on a super niche market that nobody ever bets <laughs> and there happens to be a boost out on a major book for it like that's an arbor that's a that's a clear kind of trigger to them now, again, we don't know what gets you limited, but those are the kinds of things that you might want to like prevent yourself from doing. Can you explain to the folks at home that might not be familiar with arbitrage? Yeah. What exactly that is. It's basically risk-free betting in, in this case or risk, you know, risk-free ways to make money. If Giannis double-double is boosted to plus 100 uh, and you, you, know, you can bet $25 on that bet, so you bet $25, you risk $25 to win $25. And then on another site, you can get Giannis to not have a double-double at plus 300. And let's say some people will bet like $25 on that market. So if Giannis gets a double-double, you lose nothing. Because okay. you, you win $25 in DraftKings, you lose $25 in the other site. And if he doesn't get a double-double, you lose $25 from the boost on DraftKings, but you just went out and made plus 300. So you made $75. So you netted 50 mm -hmm. because he didn't get a double-double. And people kind of set these arbitrages differently. This is one where, you know, you still have a little bit of skin in the game because you're rooting for Giannis to not get a double-double, but a lot of people will just set it up so that they're making 
you know, $4, no matter what. Good stuff. That's helpful. In most cases, we assume that gambling markets are pretty efficient. Based on what we've learned about you uh, in this conversation, do you think it's do you think it's too unlikely for people to turn a profit sports betting in the traditional way? Uh, first off, no. I, I think that there are clearly people that make money, you know, betting that don't do plus EV betting. And plus EV can mean different things because it's just expected value. But in the, in the way I use it, it's you're getting plus expected value, assuming that the market that you're betting on is efficient, right? So it's not like every single play that profit guy does is plus EV, even though he expects to win over time, um, he's still betting with the big. He's not line shopping or things like that. With that respect, gambling for, for gambling markets to be efficient, there have to be smart players because the assumption isn't that the sports books know all. The assumption is that people, sharp bettors, give them information and they bet both sides. They, you know, they're getting action from both sides and that in the end, sports books set their prices and adjust their prices to sort of a saturated point where they believe is fair kind of towards the end, right? With that in mind, you think of like NBA first basket. So uh, who's, I believe, a new contributor to action. He saw inefficiencies in teams to score first and all sort, and the players to score first, NBA betting on that lines, right? And okay. he used his own uh, data to sort of make money off of you know, these bets. And he's done it very successfully and consistently for the last few years. So someone like him, how can he exist Clearly, that market was inefficient, and clearly he's able to profit off it. How can plus EV betting, how can boost still exist and not be trapped in that kind of sense? Well, because he gives them the information that their lines are inefficient, they move their lines once he bets. Same thing happens to profit. That guy, we all see it. You know, a lot of these sharp bettors, when they bet, lines move and they sort of move to a saturated point. So the whole assumption is that books gain information from these smart gamblers and get themselves to efficient points. One of the other things we wanted to hit on, because this is this this I feel like we're when I asked you earlier about getting uh getting crap on Twitter, yeah, boosts or traps promo guy, like come on, what do you say to those people? Uh, well, you say I don't reply to them, but that's good. <laughs> but what I'll say, what I'll say to works. my friend, what I'll say to my friend Brendan here, yeah, the... pretend I am barking at you on Twitter. Come at me, bro. <laughs> uh, all right, maybe I am a nerd. <laughs> <laughs> I would say this. So if we go back to the NBA first basket uh, example and that he finds inefficient markets, let's say for Cavs Pelicans game, who's going to score first, right? For a boost to be a trap, the assumption is that whatever book is boosting it knows which, which of those two bets is the inefficient side, right? They have to actually know that their lines are wrong in order for the boost to be not a good bet. Then they have to give out this information to, so they have to leave it up for, for people like NBA First Basket to take their lunch money, right? Then they have to, <laughs> then they have to tell all gamblers, "Hey, this is where we're vulnerable. Yeah. This is where where markets are completely wrong. So we're boosting it. Like they're they're telling they're telling us this through the boost, and then they're capping everybody's max bet at fifty dollars. So other than the fact that boosts have been tracked positive for, you know, consistently over the long run. It makes no sense for a sports book to choose lines where they know that they are basically mismarked because they're leaving them up and then they're signaling to everybody that this is where we are wrong. And that's the only way that, you know, you look at a 10% EV boost that we're not going to 
make money betting those over the long run is that they have to be more than 10% mismarked plus the VIG. So they have to be tremendously off to start. If you believe that booster traps, you believe in all that. And to me, that's kind of a, a crazy theory. And if there are, you know, millions to be made on fading boosts, I haven't seen anyone do it yet. <laughs> there you go. He is the promo guy. You can find him on Twitter at the promo guy. One, two, three. Before we let you go, I think I said this off the top. Folks obviously can find you on Twitter. Where else should they follow you? You have a Discord channel. Why don't you talk to us about what happens there and what benefits can be had checking that out? Yeah, so as, as Brennan mentioned, follow me at the promo guy wants to be three on Twitter. Uh, the Discord is really, you know, it's become an amazing community for finding plus EV plays, you know, myself and ROI guy and a, a few other Twitter accounts that kind of cover EV boosts um, are in there. And we basically cover every single boost and promo uh, and have plays for all of them that you can think of. Uh, we have Dinger Tuesdays in there um, for FanDuel. And it's really just a great place for if you're looking to, if you believe in plus EV betting and, you know, the Twitter account's sort of not enough for you, this is a expanded hub for plus EV bets that, you know, people made a lot of money with and had a lot of fun um, betting on. Awesome. Well, I'll tell you what, I've learned something today uh, listening to what you had to say about these, uh, you know, these promotions and plus EV betting and how you go about your business trying to dissect the promo market. Great stuff. Again, you can find them on Twitter. The promo guy, one, two, three. Thanks for stopping by the Action Network podcast, a special episode for the people. Maybe now they won't think the boosts suck as much. So Maybe we did accomplish that today. If, if we just converted one person, then we did something good today. <laughs> Excellent. Thanks so much. Uh, for the promo guy, Brendan Glasheen, thanks everyone for tuning into the Action Network podcast. We'll join you next time.